your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Premier gets the snap. Yes. Fuck it. It's loose. The football's rolling toward the goal line. It's at the five. It's going to be landed on at the one-yard line by the Huskers. Simon Odie lands on the football. Nebraska's going to have first and goal to one after blocking a punt. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome to the program. It's National Signing Day, one of the fun days of the football calendar. Used to always be the first week of February. There still is one there. It's almost inactive anymore. Everybody's now signing with the early period. This is, I believe, the fourth year of this early signing period. And it was a great day for the Huskers. We're going to discuss that again with the head coach here in a couple of minutes. 19 young men signed the dotted line to be Cornhuskers moving forward. And I guess the best part of it was there wasn't really much drama to the day. So the head coach coming up here in a little bit. Hour number two, we'll hear from the head basketball coach, Fred Hoiberg. Huskers tomorrow night at this time will be playing Doan, their last non-conference game before jumping into league play next week with Wisconsin uh, up on Tuesday night. So we'll hear from the head basketball coach. Big Ten Blitz night. We'll check out what's going on in the other games that are slated to be played this weekend. And a couple of them have been crossed off. The old Oaken bucket will not be competed for this year for two Indiana. That game has been canceled. And Michigan and Iowa has also been canceled. So uh, that, that takes two of the... Two of the seven matchups off the table for the Big Ten for this week. We'll check out what's going on with the other, some three of the other ones in our number two. We'll also hear from one of the newest Husker recruits. Ben had a chance earlier today to, to catch up with one of the new wide receivers for the Corn Huskers. We'll hear that conversation with Latrell Neville coming up in hour number two. We'll have Buy Sell headed your way tonight. It has been a few weeks since we have played Buy Sell, so we've got some catching up to do with that uh, we'll get into that coming up in the third hour of the program as well. And always, your show, 531-500-4686. That's our Sports Nightly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. All right, Ben, 19 new Huskers. What do you make of this group? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I guess the first thing is um... – you know, just thinking today how difficult that that probably was for the staff to wrestle in a class um, this year uh, amongst all others without having the ability to have on-campus recruiting visits and really to get kids to see what Nebraska is all about. So a lot of credit to the staff for being able to, to, to get a staff of this number together, especially considering when some of these guys committed to be able to hold on to some of these commitments for as long as they did um, is a big time pat on the back to the coaches. Um, and I guess, you know, I think signing day this year comes at a good time, Greg, because, um, you know, we, we seem kind of stuck right now with the 2020 football season, just one game left. And I think everybody's frustrated with the results of, of the win loss record and to just kind of get our minds off that and maybe think, a little bit more long-term with the future of the program today um, with signing some kids today was, was a good thing, you know, just kind of um, get everybody excited again for, for Nebraska football. I think that it comes at a good time. Um, that being said, you know, the class itself, I think it's a unique blend of, of talent. I think, you know, the five in-state guys is, is the most we've had in a long, long time. And, and that's, that's great. I think 
Coach Frost said it today in his press conference that there's a lot of really good in-state talent, and if you know we believe they're good enough to play Nebraska, we're going to try and get as many of those guys as we possibly can. I mean, getting five of them is is definitely a great start, and you know who knows what the remainder of this cycle will look like until February. Maybe a chance for uh, a couple of more in this state to to come over to Nebraska. But um, you know, overall, I think that. Um, bringing talent in here, but bringing the right talent in here, you know, high character guys um, from the ones that I've heard from, I, you know, heard speak. It, it sounds like these guys were all in. There wasn't any uh, half in, half out signing day drama of rumors going around. Well, I heard this about this coach. I heard this about that coach. I'm supposed to sign it at noon, but all this stuff comes up. I'm not going to sign till four o'clock. Um, you know, there wasn't – it didn't appear to me like there were very many half-in, half-out type of kids, which I, I can't necessarily say in the past. Of course, in the past, we were happy to get those guys. You know, we were happy to get those commitments and, and thrilled for what, you know, their their future would look like. But I get the sense from this class that they're pretty close. And I, it sounds like there was a, a nice group group text going, a group chat going with, with all of them and a lot of peer recruiting. Most of these guys have never even been in the same room with one another, uh, but they've been able to build a really good relationship with each other. So um, I'm excited about that part. I'm excited about them fitting the culture of what Nebraska wants to be. Uh, no five stars in this class. And obviously outside of Thomas Fedoni, there's there's not even really you know one headlining guy that you go to and said, okay, well, this is our highest rated recruit, so we're expecting the biggest things out of him. I, I'm getting the sense that all these guys are all in on Nebraska, which I think is just as important by how many stars are by their names. And um, I mean, you look at all their 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 measurables, their size, uh, their height, their weight. I mean, all these guys are just as big and just as strong as athletic as, as some of those other guys that are, that are maybe higher ranked. But um, they're coming in here with a purpose, which I think is important. I, I, I'm not getting the sense that very many of these guys are coming in here expecting things to be handed to them like maybe some guys in the past. So I, I guess that's what, I, what I'm most grateful for and um, what I look at first with this class. No drama, right? I mean, nothing. Everything – Austin and I kind of went through it last night. You're hoping to keep 19. That's exactly what they got. And, by the way, the head coach hinted at his press conference today. I'm, I'm going to ask him about it as well coming up here in a couple of minutes. Do you, do you expect to add more? I think he said yes. He, he's, they've got spots open. They still have to get a gauge of what their seniors want to do moving forward because of the NCAA waiving this year is basically a freebie for everybody. But no drama. I don't remember a year in the last decade where you didn't have something go, who, this guy's going to announce today. We don't know if it's us or somebody else. There was none of that. I mean, this thing was done by like 10 o'clock this morning. Yeah, I think I think what sixteen of the nineteen signatures were in before like nine, and I think the last couple came in before lunch. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and I have been around a few of these where we're literally waiting by the fax machine and waiting to hear uh, down to the last second as the day as the day goes. And there there were still some some flips around the country today. A couple of a couple of guys, and and unfortunately for Michigan, and some of them flipped away from their Michigan commitments to other schools. There was still drama in other places. Thankfully, that wasn't the case here at Nebraska. This has just been such a unique recruiting cycle uh, with all of these players. And Nebraska has a couple of high school teammates from the state of Georgia. That's a little unique. They've got a, a six-eight monster coming from the state of Utah on the <laughs> offensive line. That's unique. Um, and yeah, you know, they've got some some players from from different places. Someone from New Jersey and. 
Um, a guy in Latrell Neville who was who we'll talk to was committed to Virginia Tech for a long time, but but always kind of knew that Nebraska is where he would end up. You know, all these guys have have some different unique stories. Three tight ends, all from the Omaha metro area. I think that's a, that's a little different. You know, one of them, of course, at Norris with. Um, with James Carney, but I think that, that this class, I think, just has some interesting parts to it, and, you know, I think they're all just hungry to get here and, and get to work and, and hopefully, you know, make an impact on the team. And, and you know, the other thing that has me excited, Greg, is the wide receiver position. All three wide receivers are at least six foot two, so these are all bigger body guys and hopefully playmakers that, you know, as we say, can stretch the field and play on the outside and kind of open up this passing game a little bit. Yep, no doubt. 531-500-4686, that's the number if you want to be a part of the program, either with a call or a text. You can fire off that text on our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. So Nebraska 19 today, even just uh, within the last couple of hours, released a a walk-on class as well, uh, and they're going to add to that number as well. This has got to be difficult on the head counting because of the seniors and the uncertainty there. Um, you know, you'll probably have some attrition. Everybody does anymore in college football. So you're kind of, it's kind of like a moving target trying to hit the right number, but, but 19 today, I really like that that number. I won't, only one from the state of Florida. That's one of those wide receivers that you referenced earlier. That's been, a bit of a sore spot for this program the last couple of years because they've had a lot of people who've come from Florida but don't stay. They, they leave after six, eight months and, and head back to the sunshine of Florida and, 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 and get out of here. And so you've kind of wasted uh, that whole thing. And so maybe maybe steering away from that a little bit. Looking at some of the national numbers, Ben, uh, Rivals has Nebraska currently at number 19 class in the country. 24-7's got them at 23. Those could fluctuate a little bit as you move through this thing. But that's that's really impressive because the results on the field it wouldn't add up to you being able to do that well on the recruiting trail. So you, you mean we, we kick this staff around a little bit and question some things that are going on the field, and, and that's, that's fair because the results have not been there on the field. But you got to also give them some props here. They put together a heck of a class in the middle of a pandemic in the middle of, you know, the country where you don't have a huge population base to just recruit to. Yeah, they have, Greg. And if you look at, you know, their top five recruits, that kind of helps that number. All five of them are within that 500-mile radius. So, you know, whereas, you know, in the the past, you've gotten kids from California and Texas and Florida that have really boosted that rating. It's local guys that have done that and have been able to to boost that ranking. So that's been a huge positive to see, you know, Thomas Fedoni, uh, Teddy Prozachka, Randolph Kapai, Henry Dlatovsky, all these guys that are, you know, helping boost that ranking that, you know, are in the nation's top 250 um, are all local guys. And, you know, you know, are hopefully going to be in here for the long haul and, and, you know, try and build this thing the right way. So um, that, that that's the other positive, too, is, you know, hopefully these guys, as you said, the Florida guys haven't been sticking around. You hope that some of these guys do. Fortunately, here on National Signing Day, Huskers with 19 signatures today to add to their roster for the football team. And delighted to be joined now by the head coach of the Corn Huskers, Scott Frost. And coach, congratulations on the day. And uh, when you woke up this morning, you were hoping that this was the result you'd get. Well, you got to like the fact that there really wasn't any drama today for this class. Yeah, it was a pretty drama-free day. Um, we, we liked the group we got. 
everybody signed on time and when we expected I called them all and told them congratulations and um, that's the way that you want it to work so I don't expect that we're quite done with this signing class but uh, certainly everything that we wanted to have happen today happened. You know, it was, it's been such an odd 2020 with a pandemic and the limitations on getting off campus, getting kids on campus. I guess the timing was good to have a pretty good core of guys nearby, right, that were quality players to come to Nebraska. Your thoughts about maybe the regional recruiting and, and the talent level that you saw this year? Yeah, I thought it was a really good pool this year. Um, certainly, like we got, James is from basically uh, right here in town. Carney, we're excited about him. Uh, Teddy Peraska from uh, Elkhorn South. Um, can't wait to tap into to that potential. Um, you know, Seth Malcolm from right across the, the river in Iowa. Obviously, Thomas Spinoni from uh, Council Bluffs and basically Omaha. Um, you know, Harburg from Kearney and Kapai from South Dakota and Matoski from Iowa. There, there was just a lot of guys uh, right in the um, near region that, that we felt were, were really good players and good enough to help us win. And uh, it's it's lucky that we had that, that type of talent in, in the region this year. One of the first things, Coach, that stands out to me about this group is that group of tight ends. And you probably needed to restock that room, didn't you? Just looking at where the guys that are currently on the team and where they are. Uh, toward graduation we did uh, you know we were young at that position when I got to Nebraska and I love the guys that uh, that we have on the team right now but uh, they're all upperclassmen uh, we lost a couple that, that we had signed and and we needed to restock that position um, love the talent that we got in that room they're going to fit in great with uh, what we have coming back and we got to get them ready to to play immediately and to take over when those guys are done one of the other things that, that jumps off is is just the monsters you've added in that offensive room. You, you mentioned a couple of them already. You you appear to be so much more, a such bigger football team, just from the, the height size than when you walked in the door three years ago. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I, we've made a conscious effort to, to recruit bigger, uh, particularly up front on both sides of the football. Uh, this is a big league. This is a physical league, and it, it just helps to, to be as big as the guy across from you. Uh, we can't just take big guys. We have to take athletes, too, and I feel like we did really well with that on the O&D line. All right, yeah, let's let's talk a little defense. Where where were your bigger needs, and do you feel like you addressed them on that side of the ball in this class? You know, luckily I think we have fewer immediate needs than we have had the, the past couple of years. Uh, we just want to keep – you stock in our talent pool with uh, really, really talented people and football players. Uh, you know, we got two D linemen that are big athletes that I'm really excited about. Uh, linebacker depth was a little bit of an issue, um, and we signed a really good class there. Uh, defensive back, uh, we we needed to continue to add talent and depth, and and really like what we signed there too. So. Uh, Kobe Bretts is one I, I didn't mention with the regional guys and, and being from the state champion up in Omaha. Uh, love his size and athletic ability along with the other guys we signed. So um, it, it's good to not have as many immediate needs, uh, but we, we're always going to look to try to improve the t overall talent level on the team. Boy, your quarterback room, you got a, you got a handful of guys from Kearney. They could carpool from, from home to, to Lincoln. 
What about Heinrich, and, and what did you like about him and, and the decision to offer him a scholarship? I just like uh, I like his approach and his mentality, first of all. Um, he, he's really committed to being good. Uh, he's got a, a really good arm that, that we're looking forward to working with, and on top of that, he's, he's a big kid that can run. So that, those are a lot of the pieces that you're looking for in a quarterback. And we, we looked around the country at some other kids, and, uh, we had one that was just as good as any of them right here in the state. So um, wonderful to have a, a central Nebraska kid coming. Yeah. You know, again, visiting with Scott Frost, it's National Signing Day. Huskers with 19 today, part of this class. I talked about the size from the offensive line standpoint. The three wide receivers that you, you inked today, all 6'3 or taller, and I, I know that was a, a, an area that you really wanted to add some length to that room as well. What about those three young guys that you've, you've added to the roster? Yeah, I'm really excited about them. Uh, Latrell Nebel from from Texas is a guy that the first time I watched his tape, um, I loved it. Uh, he and I have have developed quite a pretty good relationship, and uh, I know several of the people that, that I've coached before that he knows from, from Houston, and uh, he's going to make us a better football team. Uh, Camonte uh, from Florida, uh, just an elite athlete. When you watch him play basketball and look at the, the track and field marks and um, – the, the athlete that he is gives him a, a huge upside. Uh, can't wait to get to work with him. And then and Sean Hardy's had a great senior year. Um, just a, a brilliant kid on top of being a good football player. So, you know, being big there helps. Uh, being bigger, getting a better catch radius, gives the quarterback a little more leeway to, to put balls up and let guys go get them. And um, I, I think it'll definitely help our ability to throw down the field to have uh, receivers that can go up and get it. Buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. The head coach is with us on National Signing Day here on Sports Nightly. I love hearing the recruiting stories from you guys when you go out and spend a couple of weeks on the road and then come back. There's always some fun things. Last year you got to go do a, a pheasant hunt up in, with Nash up in South Dakota. You couldn't do any of that this year. So you had to get creative, and you had a creative team that helped – put together some virtual visits and all that. And, and I know you're really proud of the, of the work that the guys on the staff who, who made this class possible because you had to kind of think out the, outside the box here in 2020. Uh, some of those people that don't get their names mentioned very often had to be a huge part of this success. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, our creative department uh, in particular, uh, led by Ora Garst, uh, just a, he's an awesome guy and, and super creative. A lot of the, the videos and posts that, that come from my phone and other places in the program come from him. And um, he was vital in this process when we weren't able to, to go out and recruit kids or have them to Lincoln. Uh, we had to find other ways to, to show kids what Nebraska was all about and um, just an invaluable piece for us. I believe, it, Coach, it was your first year when you came to Lincoln was the first year of the early signing period. Are you surprised that almost everybody who signs does it early? Are you surprised it's gone that much away from the February date? Um, a little bit, uh, but, you know, as competitive as recruiting is, everybody wants to get their classes signed. Uh, I don't think kids want to lose out on spots, and then there's a lot more kids enrolling early in the spring semester and if you're going to do that you need to sign in december so uh, i think all those things are leading to to majority of kids around the country uh getting it done in december what what's the number of early enrollees as you've got it now for this group 
Right now, I think we'll have uh, 12 or 13 that come early and will take part in spring semester and spring ball. Joined by the head football coach of the Cornhuskers, Scott Frost, National Signing Day, but also in two days, the Huskers back on the field against Rutgers. Had to make this pretty hectic for you and your staff to kind of put the finishing touches on getting this class together, but also getting a football team ready to play and compete on Friday. What were the challenges like the last several days? It's been a hectic year, and this was uh, just another just another example of that. But our, our coach has been working hard. We've been up here burning the uh, burning the candle at both ends, and it, it's paid off because uh, this group that we signed has it, it, got me really excited. All right, uh, traveling to play Rutgers. What 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 stands out at, about the Scarlet Knights, a team that you were supposed to play anyway during 2020? If you go back to the schedule in the spring, first year head coach and coach Shiano. What about this Scarlet Knight team? You're going to butt heads with here in a couple of days. Yeah, I'm really impressed with how hard they play on defense. Uh, and the D line comes off the ball. The linebackers come and get it. Uh, the secondary tackles well and covers well, and um, you, you can definitely see the the improvement and, and the work that that coaching staff has done. They're a, a veteran unit, particularly on defense, so we're playing a lot of upperclassmen, and um, we definitely got to work cut out for us. All right, a couple things that have uh, personnel things that have happened in the last couple of days. Brendan Hymas has opted out of the last game of the year to get himself ready for the NFL draft. That means you're going to give Turner Corcoran a shot at that left tackle spot, a true freshman. What's your confidence level in Turner, and what have you seen from him this week in practice? And yeah, kind of excited that Turner's going to get an opportunity. Um, he's been working hard. Uh, he's uh, He's got a ton of talent, so it's just a matter of getting him reps. And uh, we're kind of painted into a corner, but uh, that's a good thing in some ways because uh, the more chances he gets to play, the, the faster he's going to be the player we know he can be. And uh, Colin Miller announced yesterday that he's been advised by doctors that he should no longer play competitive football uh i i know i know you and i know your affinity for colin uh your thoughts about his career now being officially over as a cornhusker well it's sad i feel terrible for him um but you know we care about him so much and, and what's well, best for him and uh, if there was any risk of uh, permanent harm being done to him to to play then he made the right decision and I uh, hope, he, hope he'll stay around and, and be with us uh, as much as he wants to, regardless. Been a great leader for you, hadn't he? He really has. He's been kind of the heart and soul of, uh, of our team and our defense. Okay, one guy that got a lot of extended play last week, probably for the first, well, was for the first time in his Husker career, was Nick Henrich, a uh, young guy that we've talked about uh, on signing days in the past. How did you feel like he did, and what did you see from him in his first extended group of snaps? Yeah, I thought he came in and did some really good things. Um, that's what we were expecting from him when we recruited him, and he's going to get a lot more opportunities to do what he did Saturday. Yeah. All right, well, travel safe. Hopefully we can get in there. There's a big snowstorm back there, but I know I know you, and it seems like the team, talking to some of the guys this week, pretty excited about one more crack to play some football here in 2020. Yeah, I, the more we play, the, the better chance we have to continue to improve. The guys are excited, and um, hopefully the airports stay open. Now let's turn it over to KP, sitting down with the head coach. Well, Coach, before we talk about tomorrow night's game against Doan University, uh, maybe just a couple of words about the Friday night game against Creighton. Obviously, you shared your thoughts after the ball game with us and, and with the media since then. 
But I'm what I'm curious about is what did you see on tape uh, that may have uh, defined your your all of your thoughts about that about that ball game? Well, Kent, I, I saw a, I saw a lot. I saw 26 maybe of our best minutes of the season. I thought we came out and played a really complete first half even you know a couple things happened even you know that first half where they scored on us where it just ball bounced the wrong way that first possession we get our deflection get our hands on the ball and it bounces right to one of their guys Mahoney and he hits a three uh happened I think it was on the third possession same thing kind of a scramble we had a great defensive possession uh couldn't quite secure it and they hit another three uh you know Ivan our switch plan against them was to take away their lobs and to take away, uh, you know, their open three-point shots and kind of force him into more of an ISO situation. Ivan switched on to Zigorowski. He had a tough one over him, contested, and then the next time down he fouled him. Uh, last play of the half, uh, you know, they were a foot out of bounds. They don't call it and, you know, unfortunately get two free throws right there. So there was a lot of possessions and points uh, that I thought, you know, it had, it had gone the other way. You know, we go into the halftime with the, with the lead. And, you know, I thought we had a really good half moving the ball. And when we did that, Kent, we had great possessions. The one thing that really uh, hurt us was the turnovers. We had 12 turnovers in the first half, and it's a four-point game, a two-possession game. So we did a lot of really good things in that first half and withstood runs. And that was a big thing we talked about. They're going to go on runs. You have to handle them the right way and you have to control it, your emotions, and stick in it and fight through the adversity, which I thought we did a phenomenal job of uh, to keep that thing uh, where we had it. Second half came out, uh, first six minutes were right there. Uh, you know, Trey McGowan's hits a three to cut it to four with just over 14, I think about 14.30 left in the game, and then the wheels just completely fell off, Kent. And, you know, the things that – we had done a good job of we gave them four points in transition in the first half. And that's how you stay in a game against Creighton. They're so good in transition. Uh, that's where they get a lot of their threes and that's where they get their lobs. Uh, first half, we executed our switching beautifully. Uh, you know, it, it, it followed the game plan very well, took them out of transition. And then that 14 minute stretch to end the game, Kent, it was like, it was a completely different team out there. So that's been our message in practice. Uh, since that game is we have got to find a way to fight through adversity better and stay mentally tough when teams go on runs against us. And you saw that in the Nevada game where we had a 10-point lead with nine minutes left. You saw it in the Georgia Tech game where we had a lead uh, with about six and a half minutes left. And then the Creighton game where, you know, we played 26 really productive minutes and then 14, I thought, of our worst minutes of the season. So, you know, just have to find a way to be consistent. I've been talking to other coaches I talked to a very good friend of mine that said he's got as talented a group as he's ever had they had an 18 point lead with about nine minutes left in a game last week and uh, they ended up losing the game by two and he talked about all the new faces and trying to integrate it and all the pieces getting them together and on the same page and there is some of that not to use it as an excuse Kent but you know it's reality and a lot of us that have new groups and new lineups that we're throwing out there for the first time uh, in this crazy world we're living in right now, you know, we're going to have to experience some of these things and find a way to battle through it. And I think, uh, you know, based on what practices look like, uh, we have learned from it. You know, I, I look at, is it a conditioning issue? We ran them. We went hard. We went physical uh, practices to try to correct some of those things. But, you know, our, our guys 
thing I have stressed this a lot is they care. Their care factor is very high. Uh, they work. You know, we had to take three days off by rule. And, uh, you know, those guys came in here and got in the gym every day on their own. So, you know, uh, we're, we're going to bounce back. you got to continue to go out there and, and stress the little things, the movement, which we stressed going into the Creighton game. When we did it, we were pretty darn productive. But you can't turn it over 25 times against a team like that and have a chance at the end of it. You know, we got away with it some in the first half, uh, but the second half, every one of those turnovers led to either a run-out dunk or a three-point shot, and, and it's tough to win games when you have that many miscues. You mentioned you question whether it was a, a conditioning thing. I mean, I, I assume you look at a lot of possibilities about why, you know, wh- how did, why do these things happen and, and, and like an avalanche. I mean, is, is it possible that you're looking for you need somebody on the floor in terms of leadership at the moment, or, or is, that, is that a possibility? I mean, that's some of it, Ken, especially, you know, we've had three starting in that game against McNeese, where it's probably a little fool's gold. I mean, we went out there and, uh, you know, played with great pace, turned them over, had really active hands. Uh, offense, defense turned us into offense. <clears throat> and I thought, you know, we really shared the ball in the pace was absolutely phenomenal that game. So then you go into the second game, you know, maybe a little overconfident, and they played us a completely different way. It was a slow down, kind of drag drag out game and you know we just didn't handle it very well we we settled as opposed to keeping the movement that makes us a good team um you know then we play a north dakota state team who had a last shot to beat kansas they played Creighton to 10 and i thought we were phenomenal down the stretch you know we we turned i think about a 12 point lead into a 25 point win uh south dakota we turned and that's where i think things started to turn a little bit we had three games and my concern ken as i talked to you before the season was are we going to take care of the ball? Can we take care of the basketball? In the first three games, we were 10 turnovers, 10 turnovers, 9 turnovers. And now, since then, it's been 15, 16, and 25. So we got to get back to making simple plays and taking care of the basketball. And sometimes it's as simple as that. If you go down and get a shot up on the board, not only uh, to give yourself an opportunity to score, but then you don't give it, you know, the, t- uh, the opponent a chance to run it down with numbers and get confident in transition. So, you know it's you know some of it new faces and who's going to emerge uh when things get tough because anybody can lead during an easy time it's who's going to emerge and pull the group together during the tough times and we're still looking for that Kent we are still looking and uh you know it's it's probably gonna take a few more games before we figure out exactly who that is but you know, it, it, like I said, it's a group that works. It's a group that's going to come in and, and compete and prepare the right way. Uh, now it's about putting together a full, consistent 40 minutes. Reading between the lines, you sound uh, really confident that this team uh, will will get better uh, and, and, and live up to its potential, sounds like to me. Let's talk about tomorrow night, the Doan game, Doan University. I assume that you you guys uh, that you feel felt like it's important to get all seven uh, non conference games allowed in, right? Well, it, it, that that is important. Uh, you know, one for for Derek. You know, Derek's got eleven games. He has to sit out. His suspension got reduced uh, to eleven, and to be able to knock another game off that suspension is important. Uh, yeah. You know, for us to go out and play against another team, I think as many opportunities as we can get to do that. Uh, heading into conference play is another very important factor in this whole equation leading into us becoming a, a team that, that 
trust each other out there on the floor. Uh, you know, we're going to get good practice time after this one. The uh, Wisconsin game got pushed back a day. They added a game uh, before ours, so we pushed that one back a day. So that'll give us more time. So we just felt like 11 days between games was too much. So, you know, to get this game, um, you know, under our belt, hopefully go out there and play well, get a little confidence, uh, and then hopefully carry that over into conference play. It hadn't even occurred to me that getting another game in helps uh, in the in the Derek Walker uh, part of the story. Um, let's talk about Eduardo uh, tomorrow night. Is he is he ready to play at all? You know, Eduardo, he went through everything to get himself back to where we can get him back on the floor, and he's he's fatigued, Kent. There's no doubt about it. With not having a lot of activity, especially on the court, in his first couple days back. You know, it's going to take him a while to get his conditioning where we need it. But he, he will be available. He will get on the floor for us. It's going to be another reason to play this game is to get a guy like Eduardo uh, his first minutes of the season and hopefully go out there and, and uh, you know, get get a little confidence and get up and down and feel it and have, have get rid of those butterflies, uh, get some rust knocked off after sitting out for an extended period. Uh, but, you know, like like we talked about, Eduardo was really making strides, and I felt really comfortable with putting Eduardo on the floor. Now to have the setback where he spent a lot of time not only not being able to play or practice, but also uh, not really even being able to condition. So, you know, it's going to take him a little while to get back to where he needs to be, but it is great to have another big body available for us. In your in your imagination, do you have? I mean, what what's your feel for how long that might take for him to give you what you want? Well, it's it's going to take him a while. You know, being as young as he is and and as big as he is, uh, it's it's going to take him a while. But you know, Eduardo, he's coming in right now for uh, for two a days. He's going to do everything he can. Tim Wilson, our strength coach, is getting him some extra running uh, right now. We we ran the heck out of him the last couple of days in practice uh, as a group. And, you know, you can see it. He's really getting winded easily. So, you know, for him, it's going to probably be short bursts in the games to start uh, and then hopefully build that wind up to where he can he can withstand, uh, you know, several trips up and down the floor, several minutes up and down the floor. But, you know, right now we're going to take it cautiously and, and uh, you know, gradually work him back into shape. So down the line, when he's, you know, physically in condition and when Derek gets back, talk about what they will add to the to the equation well it's it, it'd be good to have depth kent especially as we get into league play and even look at our first game against wisconsin with reavers and with potter is who they started their four and the five so they're starting two guys that are really really good as good of post players as there is in our league so to have uh extra bodies available will, will be important eduardo obviously will be there that game Derek will still not be on the active roster so you know just got to try to keep fresh and, and again that's lat we're asking him to play a position that he really hasn't played much before with you know two of our three five men out of the lineup right now and you know he's gotten into some foul trouble with that so you know it's gonna have to be you know by committee until we get Derek back and until we get Eduardo in the type of shape that he needs to be in to compete against a big 10 center uh, but it will be nice to have his body available and then you know four conference games in. I think Derek as of right now will be uh, eligible to play in the Ohio State game. So, you know, just got to continue to go out there and battle. I, I thought, you know, with their switching, I thought the guards that got on uh, to Creighton's bigs battled. Uh, sometimes they just threw it right over top of us, though. So, you know, we'll be good to get some size back on our active roster. 
And, of course, we learned uh, that uh, Trevor Lakes now uh, is going to be eligible this year. What, uh, what are your thoughts on utilizing him this season? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to get Trevor out there on the floor, Kent. He, he's a guy that can really space it. He, he's got a, a very quick release. <clears throat> he's, uh, he's a guy that uh, every time he, he shoots it, you think it's going in. He's a guy that will definitely create floor spacing for our team, and uh, he's a guy that's got good experience and a, and a high basketball IQ. So it it'll be great to get Trevor uh, on our active roster. Huskers against Doan University tomorrow night, 6 o'clock tip, 5 o'clock broadcast here on the network. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. The Big Ten Blitz. Ohio State. Here to talk about the Buckeyes, Joey Kaufman of the Columbus Dispatch. Ohio State set to play in the championship game Saturday against Northwestern. Joey, how disappointing was it to the Buckeyes, the team, and obviously the fan base that they couldn't play Michigan like they do every year? It was really tough for them because this is a rivalry game they spend 365 days thinking about. In spring practice, they have a period called the Team of North Trail where they do a little bit of preparation for the Michigan game. There are countdown clocks at the team facility that count how many days to Michigan. So it is something they think about and is in the back of their minds, or really at the forefront of their minds, throughout most of the football season. So then to get up into Tuesday of Michigan week for that game to be taken away i think even though they have larger goals a college football playoff a big 10 title it, it really means a lot to lose that game for them no doubt i think all of us who love college football missed watching that that matchup and hopefully it's all back and better in 2021 all right it's off to indianapolis now to take on northwestern what do you think has the coach's attention as they look at the wildcats it's really, I think, going to be Northwestern's defense because that, I think, is going to be the interesting matchup to watch. It was only two days ago, or two games ago, where Justin Fields had thrown three interceptions against Indiana, and the Hoosiers had been able to pressure him for some turnovers. And the back end of Northwestern's defense, they have a pretty good uh, secondary there. They can get some interceptions. They lead the country in, in pass defense efficiency. So... I think that is the matchup, certainly, that's going to test Ohio State because, sure, Ohio State has playmakers at wide receiver between Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and Justin Fields is throwing them the ball. But Northwestern's got some defensive backs, two guys who are all conference first team who can make plays on their end. How much do you think the, the looming playoff plays in the mind of the Buckeyes? I mean, you, any chance? I mean, do they feel like they need to put style points up on Saturday to really make a final impression, or or are they solely concerned about the Wildcats? I think it's certainly a topic of conversation in their locker room. Sean Sean Waves, who's their all, all conference cornerback, mentioned it as such uh, the other day during one of the Zoom interviews with reporters. He mentioned that they have that he's been telling teammates they have to blow Northwestern out and in order to make the playoffs. So it's something they're thinking about. I don't know if it's the, necessarily the pep talk from the coaches or not, but players are on social media and, and watch ESPN and all those sorts of things. And that's certainly been topic of conversation. They're holding on to the last spot, and you don't think they would drop with a win, but you never know. And there's probably a little bit of pressure there to, to pour it on and make a convincing case that they should be in. They healthy? All good for this one? Or can you get a feel for that? 
That's the hard, hard thing to say, but the good news for them is they had 23 players unavailable at Michigan State, and some of those guys have been back at practice who were out for that game. Tough Borland, one of their top linebackers, and a lot of those offensive line starters have all been back at practice. So if they were, we don't know exactly the reason they were unavailable. Ohio State doesn't specify whether it's due to, to COVID-19 contact tracing or injury, but those players have all been practicing which is a pretty good sign for Saturday. Ohio State, Northwestern, the Big Ten Championship on the line in Indianapolis Saturday at 11 Central on Big Fox. Joey Kaufman of the Columbus Dispatch. Joey, we appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Minnesota. And here to talk about the Gophers, Andy Greeter of the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Minnesota came into Lincoln shorthanded last week and pulled off the win. You've watched some P.J. Fleck coach teams. Where does that one rank in uh, the, the way he put that game plan together and coaxed that team to a win last week. Yeah, I, I think it was you know up there as one of the most impressive performances, just given the fact that they were down 33 guys, you know, uh, four of their top seven offensive linemen, uh, three of their top tight ends, uh, their number one nose tackle, and then other guys that had opted out and even more guys that were injured. So 33 total guys out. And to come on the road and, and win uh, was impressive. And, uh, you know, the thing is with, with PJ teams is, is they're always going to play hard. And uh, they not only did that, but they were on the right spot uh, defensively and certainly benefited from Adrian Martinez's uh, erratic throws at times. Do they expect to get some players back for the game against Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, Expect to get a few back. I don't know how many or, or what spots those guys are going to be back in. It's, it's always state secrets when it comes to PGA and injuries or COVID. So uh, we won't know that until 90 minutes before kickoff. But I think a lot of Gopher fans are excited just to have the act game back on the schedule and not some you know kind of meaningless game against an Eastern Conference or Eastern Division foe. Yeah, this seemed to be pretty important to both sides, and I know Minnesota. Uh, took it away from Wisconsin two years ago. The Badgers have it currently, but this game means a lot to both programs, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, for, for so much of of uh, Minnesotan's life is, is a rivalry against uh, Wisconsin, uh, just kind of all the time with if it's Packers-Vikings, if it's, you know, Lake Country, if it's, you know, cheese, <laughs> if it's, you know, beer consumption, it doesn't really matter. There's always a rivalry. Uh, with Wisconsin, and, and that certainly goes over to the Axe as well. I think it's you know, just the tradition of it. You know, this will be the 130th time these two teams play. Uh, Wisconsin leads the overall series by one game. Um, you know, they play for a, an iconic trophy in Paul Bunyan's Axe. And, and yeah, Minnesota was able to, to make it a rivalry two years ago after Wisconsin had won 14 straight. So there's, there's a little bit of a new narrative here where it had been one-sided for so long. What are some of the, the storylines and, and the keys to this one as you size this up? Yeah, well, Muhammad Ibrahim uh, won Big Ten uh, running back of the year uh, yesterday. And uh, he's had a, a you know just a, a sensational year. And the Wisconsin rush defense has been stout. I think they've given up one rushing touchdown all year. And, and Mo himself has 15. Um, so that's probably the, the major kind of position group team matchup. You know, Wisconsin offense has, has struggled. You know, they've they've only scored, I think, less than a, t- a touchdown or less in the last three games. So, 
you know, the Gopher defense has struggled for most of the year. Um, if they're able to keep tightening up, uh, you know, this game could be close uh, when it matters late. Gophers travel to Madison to take on the Badgers Saturday at 3 on BTN. Andy Greeter, the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Andy, we appreciate it. Thank you. Yep, thanks, guys. Illinois. Here to talk about the Illini, Steve Kelly of the Illinois Network. Uh, Lovey Smith relieved of his duties after the game the other day. Was that surprising at all, Steve? Oh, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I think when you consider the pandemic and everything that's happened in this calendar year, a lot of folks thought maybe he would have one more year. They did have to pay a $2.3 million buyout. Um, On that hand, it might have been a bit of a surprise, but I... I think most people would agree that it probably needed to be done. Lovey is one of the, and I've worked at the new coach, whoever he may be, will be the ninth Illinois football coach that I've worked with over the years since I've been on the beat. And he's a class guy, and if you had a chance to talk with him or meet him, you know that. But, uh, and I think he was, he was good for the program at the time, but he never really bought into the recruiting end of it, and it's a win-loss business. We all know that. Speaking of the recruiting part of it, I mean, today is signing day, and so going into that without a head coach, how quickly do you think the department will move to get his replacement hired? I wouldn't be surprised if uh, that's pretty much a done deal. I, I don't know exactly who it is, but I think we might even know it before the week's out. Josh Whitman, the athletic director, spent much of uh, Tuesday, at least part of the day Tuesday, calling the uh, commitments, the guys that are verbally committed, and I think all but maybe one of them said they were going to sign uh, today, and I've been following that. And they've, they've had eight or nine signatures come in. They still do that by fax, by the way, which is kind of amazing to me. But they they uh, they had five or six or eight or nine of those come in. So and they weren't anticipating a huge class now. You know, there's another signing period in February. I think they were hoping to get 15 or 16 signed today, and we'll see how that plays out. All right, this weekend, Illinois travels to Penn State to take on a Nittany Lion team that looks like they've kind of found themselves after an 0-5 start to the season. How do you look at this matchup for Illinois on Saturday? Well, they're going in different directions. Illinois has lost a couple straight. Penn State, as you mentioned, has won three straight ball games and had a kind of an interesting win last week against Michigan State, putting up 39 points after trailing in that ball game. It's hard to even imagine how Illinois will come out in this game. I think we don't know this for sure, but I'm hearing that some of the uh, players, or at at least a few players, may decide not to go, may opt out and uh, just not make the trip for this final game. Rob Smith will be the offensive coordinator. He's always up in the booth. He'll call the, or I'm sorry, he's the offensive coordinator. He'll be the acting head coach. As offensive coordinator, he's always worked from the booth, so this will be his first time working from the sidelines. And another uh, first-year assistant, uh, Jimmy Lindsay, will be the defensive coordinator. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, uneven things that have happened this week. But there's still, according to guys I've talked to, there's still a lot to play for. It's one more game against a Big Ten opponent. Why not go just to let it hang out and have some fun? There you go. Illinois at Penn State, Saturday, 4.30 on FS1. Steve Kelly of the Illini Network. As always, Steve, we appreciate it. Thank you, Greg.
It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett Whitty. Sold. And Austin Orman. That's right, Brett Whitty and Austin Orman, your hosts for this first week of Buy, Sell, and Answer Heavy Week, gentlemen. We only have 15 answers to get through, you know. Oh, no big deal. Wow. Oh, boy. There will be some resolution. That's what we'll say. We'll jump right into it. First one actually came from me back in September. I asked, buy or sell that the Big Ten Conference gets in at least 90% of its scheduled games this football season. The correct answer was a sell. It's only going to be 81% if there are no more cancellations this week. Greg and Ben, you guys were both correct with a sell, as were Brett and Tim. Josh and I, the eternal optimist, incorrect with a buy. <laughs> the... Well, we had a guide, really, before because you could just see what was happening in the ACC and the Big 12 and the SEC before we started. So you kind of had a map that what was going to happen. True. Yeah. All right, another question asked a while ago, Tim, on October 21st with an NFL question by ourselves that the winner of the NFC East would win more than five games this year. That ended up being a bye. Washington and New York both have at least five wins. Uh, and I'm proud to report that I was the only person that bought that and got it right. Ooh, good for you. Yeah. Just so prescient. Man, in retrospect, that was a dumb thing to do to sell it because <laughs> they all play each other twice. Yeah, somebody's yeah. got to win. Yeah. Way to go, Brett. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Brett, always, always logical. Good head on his shoulders there thinking these through. <laughs> we'll go back to college football. A Tim question here. He asked, buy yourself that the fighting Frank Soliches, the Ohio Bobcats, would win the MAC this year. The correct answer was a sell. They're only 2-1, and one, not playing for the title. Everyone sold it except for Tim. So everyone yep. else. Of course. Oh, gosh. Of course. Timmy. <laughs> He's brought his shovel down with him that hole to just keep digging himself deeper. Quite <laughs> <laughs> impressive, really. Moving on to the pros here, an NFL question that Ben asked on November 11th by ourselves that there would be another 200-yard rusher in the NFL this regular season. That ended up being a bye. Derek Henry ran for 215 yards against Jacksonville last week. Uh, Greg, myself, Austin, and Tim all bought that and got it right. Ben and Josh got it incorrect, and Tim actually ben. called his shot on that one. Tim called Derrick Henry, so it makes up that last point. Ben, how'd you miss that one? Your uh, own I question. I, I didn't see it happening. Derrick Henry. That's know, probably who you thought that. it was going to be, yeah. Well, it's funny because he was, like, bottled up in that first quarter. He had, like, I mean, he wasn't doing anything. And then right before halftime, he ripped off, like, a 60-yarder. I just I saw it coming after that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll have another Ben NFL question right here from just the next week. Buy or sell the Pittsburgh Steelers lose a game before the Jets win a game. They're quick. Correct answer is a buy, seeing as the Steelers have lost their last two games while the Jets still haven't won. Everyone except for Brett bought that and was correct. <laughs> so you want to know the funny thing about this question? If the Jets don't send seven on that last play, they win before the Steelers lose. Hey, all I'm saying is, uh, yeah, not a fan of the whole Gase administration. <laughs> so they, so, so if the Raiders don't score a touchdown with 10 seconds left in regulation, the Jets win that game. Yeah. Brent, Gase is going to Gase is going to get them the number one pick. He is, and uh, there's a reason Greg Williams was fired the next day, folks. So. <laughs> yeah. Poor Lamar Jackson. Well, it's not even – It's not even. I mean, it's his fault, but it's also not his fault. Correct. I, I, no, like I a, feel bad for him. There was an NFL analytic statistic that said 
with the game on the line, that is the only time in NFL history that they have that the team had <laughs> blitzed more than they had in coverage. Yep. The only time ever documented in NFL history that, yeah. that that's happened for the defense. Yeah. And it didn't work out. Look at those Jets setting records. Yeah, not a whole lot to say about that kind of, yeah. All right, well, our, our last catch-up question here. Uh, Tim uh, asked us on November 18th, a little Husker Benz basketball by, by herself that Teddy Allen would lead Nebraska in scoring in the Golden Window event. That ended up being a bye. He had 35 points against Nevada and North Dakota State. The next highest was uh, Delano Banton with 30. We all bought that and got it correct. Thanks, Tim. Yay, team. Good Thanks, job, Timmy. guys. Way to go, Tim. Layup time. Tim didn't even blow his own layup. We're proud of it. No, he didn't. <laughs> Converted on the fast break. <laughs> Blind squirrels, nuts, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so from our most recent Bizel, which was before Nebraska-Iowa, actually. So the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Greg, you asked, buy or sell that Husker receivers have more catches than Iowa's receivers. Correct answer on that one was a buy. Nebraska receivers had 21 catches to Iowa receivers, 18 Brett and I were the only two that bought that one, so he and I were Ooh, right. Good for you play. guys. Yeah, well good. done, boys. Nice. I think Wandale, didn't Wandale have like nine of Nebraska's yeah. catches yeah. or something? He did. Yep. All right, another Husker football question. This one asked by Tim Byersell that the Iowa Hawkeyes would win the turnover margin on that uh, Friday game by two turnovers or more. That ended up being a sell. They only won the turnover margin two to one. Uh, Greg, Josh, and Austin all sold and got it correct, and Ben, myself, and Tim all incorrect. We split it. Those are the good questions when we end up splitting. True. I want to so, give Tim yay, credit. Tim. But yeah, good job, good, Tim. Good, good question. <laughs> yeah. Here's another one that we split right down the middle, one that I ask. Buy or sell that the NFL Thanksgiving games are decided by a combined 15 points or nope. less, including that Ravens-Steelers <laughs> games, nope. which got moved. <laughs> yep. And that was over after the first game. It <laughs> oh, uh, was boy. Houston over Detroit by 16 points, and that line was right out the window. So, Greg, Ben, and Josh, you guys were right with a sell. Yeah. Not Didn't much see it happen. said on that one. Poor Lions. Next up, a Husker men's basketball question asked by Josh Byersell that Nebraska would have at least six players in double figures scoring in at least one of their next two games. So that ended up being a sell, um, and the closest to uh, double digits was or six players being in double digits was four against uh, NDSU. Greg, Ben, Josh, and Austin all got that right with a sell. Myself and Tim incorrect with a buy. That's Sorry, what I Tim. remember at the time. We even said six seemed a little high. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. a little. It was coming off the euphoria of the McNeese State True. game. Where everybody right. was getting in on it. Yeah. Yep. It's not like Josh get caught up in the moment, but he was when writing that question. We'll, <laughs> we'll actually stick with Husker men's basketball in that Golden Window Classic. Brett, you asked us, buy yourself and Nebraska wins their Golden Window Classic matchup by an average margin of four points oh, more. Gosh, no, we don't, we don't need to give the answers here. I think you know if <laughs> Brett got this one right we, or wrong. The don't. answer was a buy. Nope. Nebraska won by uh, nine and a half points. Uh, Five of us bought it. One of us sold it. Next I'll question. let you work out for yourself who, who that was. <laughs> Next question. Deductive reasoning. That looks really bad on me, folks. Just, that looks now bad. you know how Tim feels. I do. <laughs> I, I, does Tim have to read his own off that often, though? 
Tim's not in on a whole lot of Wednesdays. He hasn't felt the shame in person. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, he's ducking these, definitely. <laughs> All right, we'll quickly move on to a Greg, a Big Ten football question here by ourselves that there will be at least 320 points scored this last weekend in Big Ten football. That ended up or I guess two weeks ago in Big Ten football, that ended up being a sell. There were 244 points scored, uh, two games being canceled, not helping that margin out at all. Greg, you still got it right with the sell, along with Ben, Austin, and Tim, uh, myself and Josh, incorrect with buys. That was the Ohio State-Illinois game was one of them that got called. Yep, yeah, which would have yeah. been a big, big score. Yep. yep. We'll go to the NFL, still rolling along with our answers from before Thanksgiving, actually. Ben's NFL question was, buy or sell that the Fox Turkey Lake MVP goes to one and only one offensive player? Correct answer was a buy. It was Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans taking it home. Greg and Ben, you guys both bought it, as did Tim and I. So four of us correct, Josh and Brett, the only two incorrect. All right. Moving on, Doug, just a couple more answers here. Tim with an NCAA football question by herself that Auburn would gain at least 400 yards of total oh. offense in the Iron Bowl and would allow at least 400 yards to the Crimson. They did that. Tied on defense. <laughs> that ended up being a sell. Auburn only had 347 yards of total offense. Alabama did have 445 uh, Greg, Ben, and Josh, and Austin all correct with a sell. Myself and Tim incorrect with buys. Bama could have given some Auburn uh, a few of their yards, and, and that that would have hit. Bama had had plenty plenty of yardage. Could have put Bama at even 400, and Auburn wouldn't have even gotten there anyways. But we will wrap up with a Big Ten football question from yours truly. I ask, buy or sell that Northwestern is the highest ranked Big Ten West team in the college football playoffs rankings in at least 75% of the released polls? The correct answer was a buy. The Wildcats have led the West in those rankings in all four releases, and everyone but Brett correct on that one with a buy. Brett, can, do you have to answer that now, or can you? Because there's one more, right? Well, I said it'll be over 75. percent so Oh, yeah, 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 gotcha. Because if they lose, and I, I mean, Iowa could jump them in the last one, but yeah, it'll be over 75. percent So that brings us to our total. Some good Ooh, weeks, baby. some bad weeks, some some mixed results no. so greg you led the way 13 out of 15 oh my gosh Ooh. Ooh. nice extend Ooh. that lead i was actually in second i got 12 out of 15 correct good ben, for you, were, you. Oh, thank you ben you were right behind at 11 out of 15 so that's solid it. then from there we go to josh and tim with nine out of 15 and that's where we stop all right Brett. let's jump into this next week uh and you know what first of all don't we this season's rapidly coming to a close right we ended at the end of college football i think yeah, yes we yes. will probably sometime after the bowl season yeah yep. so our national championship will probably be the last week i would guess Right. So here's where we stand. In first place, Greg, hmm. 91 out of 133, good for 68%. Wow. Ben New got a little bit of work to do, 86 out of Ooh. 133. Hey, five's nothing. I've done, I've done seven in a week before. That's light work. <laughs> That's the spirit. I'm one behind Fake you. News. <laughs> <laughs> Rigged election. Stop the count. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm one behind Ben at 85. That's fucking that's not bad. So much better. Leading um, all producers by a substantial margin back here, Austin is. I am I am eight up on Josh in second, who's at 77. Then Brett's mm. down at 71. <laughs> and Tim just clinging to life over 50%, 68 oh. out of 133. Oh, my goodness. Gosh, Tim. Oh, Timmy. Oh, Tim, like, think about it, guys. He could have given the, 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 the opposite answer of he, what he thought was correct and, and not be too far behind. Behind what he is. <laughs> you have Tim and Untim, and you darn near put your money on Untim. Oh, you love it. And right. actually, Josh and I looked over the analytics a little bit today. And Greg, if you and I answered our own questions at the same rate we answered everyone else's, you'd be knocking on the door of a hundred correct, and I would be tied with Ben. Oh, wow, wow. that's a lot. That is, yeah. So, all right, Greg, you're up. Lead us off for this right. week. I have time to tell you that you need to buckle up and put the phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. All right, I'm going to the Husker game. Buy or sell that the Huskers outgain Rutgers Friday night. And just for some context, on the year, Rutgers is averaging 350 yards a game. The Huskers, 358. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy it, though. I think the Huskers do outgain them on Friday night. Yeah, I'm going to buy it, too. I, I'm, I'm feeling... I don't know why, but I'm feeling a little optimistic about the Husker offense. Um, yeah, give me give me the Huskers. Yards hasn't been the problem as often as points has, so I think the offense will move the ball. I will also buy it. Yeah, I'll buy that one too, and uh, I think uh, not having Bedrill will definitely help. Josh, you guys notice the betting line's going up? It started like yeah. at five and a half. It's gone to seven, Huskers oh, really? by seven. Wow. That's a pretty big move. Vegas always knows. See what they know. All right, Ben, go for it. Sure. NBA question here, boys, as that starts here very, very soon. Buy or sell that James Harden, depending on which picture you look at, you're you're a little little skeptical on I thought they closed buffets. (laughs) James Harden, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant, two other guys that are coming off injuries, Combined for 95 points, and their at least 95 points in their first game played this NBA season. So, say Steph Curry doesn't play until the Warriors' second game, his game will still count. So, the first time that they touch the floor, a combine of at least 95 points, an average of about 31 and a half hmm. per person, and I'm buying it. Ooh, take the points. Okay. Man. Here's I want my rationale. I want to Nobody buy that. else on Houston is yeah. going to take shots. True. Nobody else on Golden State is going to take shots. So I feel like Harden and Steph could could carry the the load here, and, and Durant will get you at least twenty five. You so. might see a John Wall explosion on, uh, on for the Rockets Good. there. Um, I want to take the points, but I'm actually going to sell that one after seeing Harden's photos yesterday. That's all I needed to see. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 95 is a great line. I think it's going to be close, but I think it ends up just under. I will sell like Brett. I'm with the boys. I'm selling, too. I just think first game, I'm not sure if somebody explodes like that right out of the gate. I mean, Harden might explode out of his uniform, but I don't think they explode <laughs> with points out of the gate, so I'm selling. There we go. We'll, we'll stick with He didn't look terrible. I watched some of the highlights of the preseason game yesterday. I think he went 3 of 10 from the floor. But, yeah. yeah not horrible. 30%. Not a great look. <laughs> I wonder who's wider now, James Harden or Luka Doncic, because he has still some of that baby fat. I think Luka's putting it more to use on the court. (laughs) 
Yeah, probably. All right, I'll go to Husker men's and women's basketball combo. So I know this is already a sell from Greg because I'm combining two sports, but I'll ask the question anyways. Buy or sell that Nebraska men's basketball and Nebraska women's basketball combine to shoot better than 45% from the floor, 34% from three-point range, and 65% from the free-throw line throughout regular season Jeez. conference play. I will buy it. Let me take out my calculator here. <laughs> Three-part question here. Three-parter. Just going for your 50-40-90s here. What if this is even a parlay. Is it just... This is just... Oh, man. Throw it at the wall and see if it sticks, boys. <laughs> Brett, what are you doing? <laughs> I'll... I'll sell it. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> what do you want me to say here, folks? <laughs> sell for me. Give me the numbers again. 45% from the floor, 34% from three-point range, 65% from the charity stripe. You'd like to think that those numbers wouldn't be too difficult to hit, That's right? kind of what I was thinking. I think they I, – I mean, their free throw shooting has been bad. I think they get the last two. <laughs> the first one the, from the floor scares me a little bit. Yeah. Getting all three, I'm just going to sell it just in case we're building brick houses at the Stripe again this year. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm going to sell it. Don't Good. feel great about it. All right, another NBA question for myself, buy or sell, that Talon Horton Tucker of the Los Angeles Lakers scores at least half as many points as Kawhi Leonard in their matchup on December 22nd. And I am going to buy that one because Talon has been going off so far in preseason, and I hope he gets a little bit of minute. Yeah, I was gonna say, how many minutes does he get? Yeah, that's Lakers the thing. Is he gonna, how much he gonna manage? Play? I think he'll get probably ten to fifteen in the first game, and and in the first few months, I'd assume he gets more than than in the later in the year because you're gonna have so many people resting that were in the playoffs three Is months ago. Is it just ago. the first game? Yeah, just first the first game? game, just that Clippers because they play Lakers. the Clippers, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Good, good I, opening day game. I'll buy that. I think you're right. I think sometimes those opening games, you spread the minutes and gets half of them. Yeah, he can get ten or twelve. Yeah. Man, that's a great question, Brett. Hey, thanks, um, man. Appreciate it. Way to butter up the commish. <laughs> no. That's an extra point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brett, I already told you how handsome you are. Well, there's another point. <laughs> Greg, your lead is down to four. I'm catching up, boys. <laughs> so this is how you make this up is, points. So this, this is, is how we play the game. Uh, um, Favorite restaurants, Brett? God, I, I don't know what to expect from Kawhi first game. That's that's kind of and that's weird to True. say. You think it'd be the the newbie that you're that you're worried about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll sell it just to be different. I I think it's a coin flip. I'm leaning sell as well. I I don't think Horton Tucker will quite get to double figures, and I think Kawhi will pretty comfortably hit 20. So I will I will sell it. I'll then take Tim's question from the Big Ten championship game. Buy or sell, Tim asks us, that Ohio State beats Northwestern by three touchdowns or more, or that Northwestern scores the first points of the game. Tim. What what did Tim do? Tim refused to Didn't give his answer. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. So I'll start us off. I'll buy that one. I'll buy it. I, I'm gonna sell it. I don't I think it's closer than that. And I, I just think the Buckeyes score first. So I, I sell it. I'll buy it. I mean, who knows? Who knows how the first score comes? Mm-hmm. You know, you just never know. And, and, and Ohio State's probably more susceptible early than they are late. So I'll, I'll buy it. 
Uh, it's to me, it's the yeah that first touchdown. Three three scores might happen, might not, but I don't have anything past Ohio State. It's that first touchdown, so. Uh, I feel like it's probably safe to buy just in case, but I'm not in love with it. All right, let's wrap it up. Our last question coming from Josh, a Husker men's basketball and NBA combo question by herself that the top three scorers for Nebraska basketball against Michigan on Christmas score more points combined than the leading scorer in the five NBA games on Christmas. Oh, man, how about that? Great question. (laughs) Top three scorers. For Nebraska Josh. against Michigan. Josh did give us his answer for this one. Oh, good. He played by the rules. <laughs> he plays by the rules, and unlike Mr. Tim, he's whatever. He sold his own question, which makes me question. Josh sold it? Yeah. Josh did sell it. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to sell it, too. I want to be different, but I'm going to sell this one, too. So you got the usual suspects on Christmas, right? Rockets, Lakers, yep, yep. Uh, Pelicans, mm. and probably the Mavericks. Right. Someone always Flippers. goes off on Christmas. So I'm gonna Lillard probably is playing. Blazers are probably playing. Giannis probably. All right. So whose turn? My turn? Probably Great mine. What do you do? Free for uh, oh. I'm going to buy it. Give me the Huskers. There you go. So let's say the, the NBA right. guy gets 45. The Huskers need what? 46. 25, 10, and 11? Yep. Mm. Give me the Big Red. Go Big Red. What's that? I'm buying it? Great host. I'm buying it. Love it. Take my money. I'm buying it. There we go. Boom. Like it. Okay. Good stuff. Thanks, Tim, for supplying your answers to us. Way to play. Shimony. Signing day today for the Big Red. They welcome 19 new players onto the football team. We welcome on one of those players right now, one of the newest Nebraska wide receivers. Latrell Neville joins us here on Sports Nightly. Latrell, first of all, congratulations, man. A lot of hard work and and stress went into this decision. Big day for you and your family. I have to imagine it feels pretty good to have this uh, done and over with. Congratulations. Yes, sir. I'm so excited. You should be. It's a big day for you and your family. As we mentioned, uh, there's a lot that goes into this. What, what's just today been like for you, man? You know, the, the circus of the interviews, the social media, the signing, the, the crowds. What, what's, what's today been like? Uh, it's been a day filled with emotions and uh, joy and just excitement. You know, uh, I've dreamed of this day for a while now. You know, it's been a long four years, years of being recruited, and I'm just happy that I can finally sign the dotted line and put it into all of this. And uh, I'm just happy, most of all, that I found a home in Nebraska. Latrell, I know it's it's uh, such a long process. It's so so exciting getting your first college letter that that they show interest. And by the time you get that letter to the time that you sign, is just a a wild journey. What what has this process been like for you and your family trying to find a place to go spend a good chunk of your life? Uh, it's been a roller coaster ride. <laughs> you know, uh, it hasn't been easy. You know, and. Uh, it has definitely been long, but it's it's definitely something that I take pride in, you know, because a lot of it, it's it's not done by everyone, and uh, it takes a very strong and and very grounded young man to to do something, you know, deal with different coaches having to text, talk talk to them all day and the the pressure of you know uh, just having to just knowing that you're a household name at an early age and just having to carry that pressure, you know, because heavy is the head that holds the crown, and once you like have something to your name everybody expects big things out of you so it's always something that comes with it 
Absolutely. How did you handle it, man? You were a pretty, pretty sought after recruit, heard from a lot of different schools. What was just your approach to everything about how you handled getting texts and phone calls from coaches, especially this year when you couldn't go visit schools and um, just how you wanted to, to go about your recruitment process? I would say most importantly, what I did mainly was always kept God first. You know, I always prayed. And uh, other than that, I just kept always worked, always worked hard and, you know, just uh, believed in what I can do. You know, I always believed in myself and my craft and the, the things, the time that I put into my work, you know, and uh, work, work ethic is everything. Yeah, from from what we know about you already, Latrell, work ethic is probably number one on your mind as a player. Uh, speak to that a little bit. Where does it come from, and what is it about just the work and the grind that you that you love and embrace so much? In my opinion, it's, I think I think it's from what I come from. I'm just a kid from New Orleans, Louisiana, and uh, not every kid gets the opportunity to do what I that what I've done, you know, and the things that I've accomplished. So uh, just knowing that I have people back home that look up to me, you know, and uh. You know, they're you know hoping to see me do big things, and you know, I just I just have a lot of people I can't let down, and you know, I have a lot of people that I, I'm just working hard for to make sure that they'll never have to do a nine to five or anything like that in their life again. And one of those people is my mom. She's one of the most hardest working people ever, you know, and uh, she instilled that in me. So uh, yeah, I mean I I love the grind, and it loves me. <laughs> Yeah. Latrell, what, what what was this like for your mother, you know, to get to get to watch her son, you know, put all that hard work onto a piece of paper and and send her boy off to college? Uh, she, she I don't I think she's told me that she's proud of me at least 100 times today. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she's uh I think she's more happy than I am, honestly, you know, because uh, everybody always asks her, you know, like, are you going to let your kid? go all the way to Nebraska and all that, man. She's, it's his decision, and she loves Coach Frost and Coach Lubick as well, and she loves, you know, the University of Nebraska. The University of Nebraska is a great school academically and as well as just the fan base, you know. Uh, I don't think it's no better than that. You know, the people, it's just a it's just a family atmosphere, and, I mean, we fell in love with it. Latrell, I know you. we've already established you've been uh, talking to a lot of schools. When was Nebraska first on your radar? Not a lot of kids from the south or from Louisiana or Texas. Uh, Nebraska's the first place on their mind. What, what was your relationship like at the beginning with Nebraska and really your first uh, interactions with what this place was all about? My first interaction had came about uh, my freshman year with Coach Austin, uh, the O-line coach. He came, visited me, and uh, – he offered me the first day he seen me, and he was like, yeah, you look like a kid that can come play for us today, you know, as a freshman, you know. So uh, that's back when I was a freshman, and he told me that. And till then, you know, they stayed consistent, and they showed true loyalty. You know, when I was uh, – loyalty and respect. You know, when I was committed to Virginia Tech, one thing that Coach Lubick and Coach Frost told me was, I respect your decision, and if you no longer want to communicate with us, we will leave you alone, but we want you, and you're one of our top guys. So – We'll continue to recruiting you, to recruit you if you would want us to, you know. And uh, a lot of coaches these days don't do that, you know. So I mean, that that spoke a lot to me. It really did, and I just love everything that these coaches are about. And the other part to this, Latrell, has been the communication with the recruits. It seems like this class in particular has a really good bond with one another. What do you know about your future teammates? Some of them, which most of them, which you've never met before. Uh, although that I've never met these guys before. You would think that I've known these guys or have played with these guys for, for years or or probably even, you know, uh, grew up with these guys or something. But uh, Kobe said, oh, oh, just 
two guys named just a couple of names of names of guys, but all we're close, we talk every day and uh we know each other, like we know each other really well. So it's just like man, it's, I'm I'm so excited about this class, like you guys don't understand. It's not even the talent that these guys have, it's just their personality. You know, they're all great guys. You know, and it's uh like I said, it's a family and that's that's the main thing. I cannot emphasize that enough. I think we all probably welcome that, too, especially considering the, the, the state of the program right now. Latrell, I'm sure you've watched a lot of the games this year and you've seen where Nebraska is on offense and how, how big of an impact you could have pretty early on in career. How excited are you just to get here to get to work and, and maybe find the field here but just, just before you know it? Uh, I'm, I think my main thing about it is the opportunity, you know, just coming as a freshman make an early impact and, uh, you know, just, you know, uh, in a big conference at that. It's a, it's a blessing, honestly, and it's, it's, it's a surreal feeling, you know, but, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be ready. I think the fans are ready to have you here, too. Latrell, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Uh, you committed on July 4th, and the 4th of July, I was on a golf course refreshing Twitter nonstop, waiting, waiting to see where you, where you were to announce that you would, you would go to school, and we all got the good news on the 4th of July that, that you were going to be a part of Nebraska. How did it feel to put that out um, and, and just and, and have a spot and, and stick to that commitment that entire time? Uh, I would think most importantly, I would uh, wait, repeat that question again. Just how it felt to finally commit and to commit on the 4th of July and just to kind of have that part of the process done and then inevitably stick to that commitment all the way through December. Oh, okay. I'll say, okay. So my mind was actually made up the day that I decommitted from uh, Virginia Tech. Like, in some, some uh, meanwhile, I was committed to Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech. I knew, like, I was going to Nebraska. But it just took, it just, I, I guess it kind of took, like, an extra push, you know, and I think that's where Thomas and Ira came in. You know, uh, even though that Thomas wasn't committed at the time, like, he still, I just knew, like, like me and this guy together offensively is going to be a force, you know. And uh, I just, Nebraska, I, I don't think people, I can't put into words how much I love <laughs> this university and this coaching staff. So, <laughs> Like if if you could see my face right now, you you'd understand the like the excitement <laughs> and like the joy. <laughs> Well, Latrell, I could tell you that, that people around here in Lincoln are just as excited as you are to have you and to have some kind of reinforcements coming on the offensive side of the ball. One more here before we let you go, man. I know it's been a very busy and, and stressful day for you, but how, how has you have you and your family and your teammates and, and just your, you personally made it through 2020? This has been such a chaotic year, and you haven't been able to go visit places. You're, you're wrapping up your high school career, and you're having to make this big, big college choice. Um, just how how have you been able to get through this this year, man? And and deciding where you want to go when you, you know all you all you have is your cell phone, really. Uh, I think what got what has got me through it really is a lot of prayer. You know, uh, I think what, what makes me and Hiram get along so well is how we're connected. We are with the Lord. You know, me and him we talk daily about it. You know and stuff. And uh, I just know keeping God first and everything like it. it, it it gives me a reason to worry less, you know, just knowing that I have my God first, you know, and everything. And uh, it's it's been a tough year, but I mean, we pray for better days. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Latrell, congratulations again, man. We can't wait to have you in Lincoln. I can't wait to meet you whenever that, that may be. Enjoy the rest of your time at home with your family, and we'll see you here in Lincoln real soon, man. Congratulations. Yes, sir. Thank you.